Welcome back to Trials and Tribulations. Um, today we're going to focus a little bit on this banking crisis that's going on in the United States. It's, you know, it's it's a, an acute problem. It's an immediate problem. It's something that's interesting to talk about, and there's so many angles to it. So because it's hot in the news, figure we would bring a little perspective. Yeah, it's hot in the news, and it's hot in our lives. I mean, starting since Thursday, we've had a, a heck of a few days. Yeah, it's like, and there's not been for a, us. I mean, like our company, fortunately, thank God. has no relationship to Silicon Valley Bank. Although I, I know people, so do you over there, great people that work at Silicon Valley. And frankly... Because they are such an important bank in our industry and in the tech industry, we got very close to doing work with them. It just it ended up not working out for whatever reason, and thank goodness for that. It could have happened very easily. It happened to lots of people. But what we've been seeing now, what we've been hearing, not only is there concerns about the regional banks as it relates to small businesses and our customers, but the calls now that we're getting from investors, from people that are involved with us wanting to know about our banking relationships. And what I've found to be most interesting is, whereas our bankers are usually the ones that are doing all the due diligence on us and asking us a lot of questions, suddenly it's important that we ask our bankers questions about the health and the vitality and the, yeah. and the ability of their bank to, to weather this type of storm. We have fantastic relationships with our bankers and with our investors. And it was easy for us to ask them, just as friends. Uh, we were calling them, say, "Hey, before we even like get into our questions, how are you doing?" Because right. we know how many calls we're getting. I can't even imagine how many calls you guys are getting. But we're asking questions not not out of our own curiosity a lot of the times, but because we're being asked to ask things. And it was a a pretty intense experience. Thank God, I think things have calmed down, in large part because of our government's actions. I want to talk about that, but. Just I'll use I'll give you a kind of a barometer for how serious things got. Last night my mom called me, and she goes, "Lair, what's what's going on with Credit Suisse? Like, what's are you are you guys okay?" Yeah, I never like I think that was the first time my mom even knew you know heard about that bank. But when my mother is calling me with financial news and and worried about us, she's like, are "You and Justin okay? Is this are you guys gonna be fine?" You know, this is many days after. Things actually happen, but that's my barometer. It's like when my mother is calling me at night because of financial news, it's like, wow, now it's really, well, it's out there. It's, that's, it's important <laughs> that you bring that up because somebody said to me a couple of days ago, and I can't remember who it was, but they said, do you really think that this is getting to like the everyday person or is this just sitting at the higher levels well, of banking that's and the CNBC? Barometer. And I said to them, I said, no, every person in America knows that this is going on because it affects them directly. Yeah. Because if somebody's calling and saying, you need to get your money out of this bank and put it in this other bank, and all of a sudden the money that's in the, your bank is at risk, that impacts everyone. Um, what I saw go down, which was the scariest part, was over the weekend, I have a good friend who runs a hedge fund, and he actually told me prior to the Fed making moves to protect all deposits that if you have money in any regional bank, get it out now. And I said, well, why? I mean, not every regional bank is going to fail. You know, the banks that we work with, they're very solvent. They're not Silicon Valley Bank. They're not concentrated in the tech industry. So why would I remove my money from a regular, well-run, super regional bank? And his point was actually really intelligent. He said, you're right. 
the likelihood that the bank will fail is probably 5%. But you're not being paid for that 5% risk. You're not getting anything to take that 5% risk. And that 5% risk exists. So if you can move that money to Chase or Bank of America where your risk is zero, why would you not do that? And I said, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And I can understand why people are making this move. And you know what he said to me also, Larry, which I'd never thought about? He said at any bank besides the big eight or so that are too yeah. big to fail, the strategically important financial institutions, aside from them, any money that is in a bank above the insurable limits is an unsecured loan to that bank. And that's really all it is. That's, With that earns zero yield. Yes, I mean, that's a, like a very financially savvy, extreme way to look at it. And I understand all that makes sense if you're quantifying risk and, you're quanti and, and doing all of that. That's not the way a, an everyday person thinks, nor should that be the way an everyday person thinks. I, don't, I, I think that, uh, and this ties into a point we've been talking a, a lot about as, as far as backstopping deposits versus making shareholders whole. I want to talk about that. But the very notion that someone in, in, in the United States has to diligence their own bank or be worried about the security of their deposits in a regulated bank and be thinking about playing a shell game of moving money from one bank to the other and then back because of uh, uh, some sort of insecurity about that bank's solvency, that notion by itself for me is extremely scary. And, and yeah. it shouldn't exist. And the fact that now it's crept out and it's everywhere and that fear exists uh, it, it's 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 a very alarming situation. Well, and another thing that's alarming is <clears throat> because Silicon Valley Bank was the bank that failed, Silicon Valley Bank is synonymous with startups and with tech and with Silicon Valley because that's the yeah, name that of the bank. And most people in the United States, again, I mean, we talked about another podcast, the political way in which things are are described to the American public people assume that Silicon Valley companies are growth companies with a lot of money with rich owners and, and these are the people that we don't we shouldn't care about, right? But that isn't true. The Silicon Valley Bank banked so many different companies and payroll and everyday Americans, but then you have people on CNBC and other networks saying that the depositors in those banks, the people who simply put their money or the companies that put their money in those banks, they shouldn't get it back because they didn't, spread the money around or do enough due diligence on those banks. Who does due diligence on a bank when they put money in it? They just assume if you put it in, you can get it out. And the notion, like you said, that suddenly you have to understand the financial reporting of that bank before you put your money in it, it totally upends the idea of American banking. It's silly. And it's, and, and you know, it, it bothers me when this is sensationalized. And, and, and politicized to, to say, oh, yeah, these, they, they had too much money in the bank. They should have known. Or, yeah, they're, they're risky tech startups and, and they try to confuse people. No, these are companies that deposited cash in a bank that's regulated and they should feel secure and not have to investigate uh, at all that this chartered, regulated bank, if you put your money in, it'll stay there. No, I. This wasn't a an investment. No, this isn't. Um, you know, some. The, the, there's no speculation involved in this. It should be a zero risk proposition that if I have cash, I can put it in an American bank and feel secure that it's going to stay there. Now, unlike 2008, when the bank bailouts provided money to protect not just depositors but also people who had 
equity which is in the banks. a huge distinction that that happened then and we can debate whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision at that particular time today that is not on the table and it shouldn't be because people who make investments in the bank people who buy stock in a bank or in any institution or any company always should understand that there is a risk that that stock will go to zero if the company fails nobody should be backstopped by the american taxpayer anymore for a private organization that is completely different than saying that the government will protect all deposits of Americans that put money in the bank. I believe personally that the American banking system, all deposits should be completely insured. Equity should get nothing if a bank fails and the FDIC takes over, but all deposits need to be protected so people have confidence that when they put their money in the bank, it isn't some unsecured loan to that bank. That is extremely important. When you erode that confidence, what you do is you cause a consolidation of the banks and you basically create a government-run banking system, which is not what this country is founded upon. Absolutely. I think if there's one thing that we can convey in our conversation is to disrupt that confusion about guaranteeing deposits versus making the owners of the bank whole. Very right. different things. Also, in my opinion, the Fed and the rating agencies, they all failed completely in this particular instance. Because if you look at Silicon Valley Bank, just prior, and I'll, I'll bring it back to this, nobody, not many people, even me, understand everything about like tier one capital ratios and all this kind of other crap. But you have to, I guess, in order to meet the regulations, have a certain amount of tier one capital. I guess that's certain amount of, of capital in the bank that is above all deposits, above all investments. And it's a minimum of 6%. Silicon Valley Bank had 15% tier one at the time, that the, right before this happened. JP Morgan, by comparison, has like 15.3. So th th you're talking about banks that are not equivalent, that have the same amount of tier one capital, meaning that tier one capital is a meaningless exercise when there's a run on the bank. Similarly, Moody's ranked Silicon Valley Bank an AA3 bank, which is a highly rated bank, similar to Bank of America, similar to Citibank, Chase, meant nothing at the time that this bank failed. Because when you have an old school run on the bank, like in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, when people just come and they need their money and you don't have it, that bank cannot fulfill those deposits no matter how good the bank is. And that's why that you need to have all those deposits insured. It's, it's critical to the system. Yeah, I think that this story, it's still ongoing. And not, you know, there's the story about what happened at this particular bank and the story for our whole economy right now and how this is, whole situation is going to resolve. But, you know, as the situation unfolds, we'll come back and we'll discuss what we learn about it and, and what we think about it, because it is a very interesting, it's unfortunate, but it's an interesting case study. And sometimes, hopefully, hopefully something good comes of this and it, there's not an overreaction, doesn't become too highly politicized. But every once in a while, when a crisis like this occurs, there's an opportunity to say, okay, here's something that we missed that we shouldn't miss again. And I'm hoping that that's what happens. And I, it's not some overreaction either. I hope so too. We also live in a world today where I use the It's a Wonderful Life analogy. I'm not sure if you ever saw that movie. No, I haven't. It, you know, it's a famous Christmas movie from like the 1930s. But at the beginning of the movie, there is a run on the bank. But the run on the bank is people literally lining up at the bank to get their money out of a local uh, savings and loan. Today, with the internet, you got Peter Thiel 
telling every single one of his startup investment companies, get your money out of Silicon Bank today. And they press one button. And then when he says that, and it goes viral, anybody else that has their money in Silicon Valley Bank does exactly the same thing, and boom, no money. I think that aspect of it in particular is fascinating. And I, don't, I think it's unprecedented. And you know, it's, it, sure, it's a combination of, of communications technology. And I think it's also, you have to combine that with who exactly were the customers there and how they communicate amongst themselves. Well, it's a Twitter accelerator. If you, have, if you have a platform and you tell people to do something and then everybody follows suit and contagion occurs, that contagion happens not within days, it happens within seconds. And all of a sudden, one moment everything is great, the next moment there's nothing left. Yeah. And it happens like that, that I, quickly. So I'm thinking out loud now. I mean, so for ex- by analogy, when when we'll use we'll use SVB as an example, when their stock dropped sixty percent, the 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 exchange halted trading on that. Do you think that is viable in the future if there's something like this again with a with a, a solvent bank, but all of a sudden there's some viral contagion that happens and everyone's withdrawing their deposits be, out of panic, irrational panic perhaps, should there be a halt on that? Well, that's, but if you put a halt on know. people taking their money, uh, it's, then it's, you destroy a, the confidence in the system. It's a radical idea, but I, But if you, I, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me reverse that thought for a second. You have your example of this contagion where everyone's taking the yeah. money and you put a halt on it. What about the regular person who isn't going to the bank because they're trying to take their money out, but they just need to like pay a bill. Well, I, I, <laughs> and they I can't don't know, get it. but it, maybe you carve out normal payroll or you have limits. There's a difference between just business as usual, having access to your funds to operate the business or to operate your personal household or whatever. There's a difference between that and taking out how many 40 something billion went out like that. It's the, a big difference. So the, I don't know, maybe something like that might be necessary in the future to, to control these types of things. The easiest way that you fix this though is for a defined policy or a law from Congress that says that all deposits in any banking institution in the United States are fully insured. You provide that and I don't think you have a run because people know that whatever they have in there, whether it's $5 or $500 million is protected. You protect it and I don't think you get a run. I guess you're, with the big eight or the strategically important institutions, I forgot the acronym, there's an implicit guarantee there. So you have that, you know, for those particular institutions, but not for the rest. Right. I think you need to bring in all the rest. And the reason why you're seeing their stock price fall so much is not necessarily because they're going to fail. It's because people in the market understand now that it's likely that they're going to be put through the same level of scrutiny that the larger banks are being put through. That's more costly. And as a result, the profits will drop, therefore the stock price drops. And so that is what I anticipate and I hope will happen. It might hurt the banking market from a profitability standpoint or a stock price standpoint, an equity standpoint for a period of time, but it will protect everybody who has their money in the bank. And that's really what we need the most. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, this episode of Trials and Tribulations. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. This episode was sponsored by Levelesque.